0: From the 915 to H Town, from the Panhandle Plains to the Valley, and everywhere in between, this is the 50/50 Podcast presented by Physical Athletics. Join me, Hector Cano, as we cover the Texas high school club and college soccer landscape, as well as an inside look at the college soccer recruiting scene. The 50/50 Podcast is a platform about the people and for the people who are dedicated to the beautiful game here we go it's another special edition of the 50 50 podcast presented by physical athletics our proud partners physical athletics they are doing tremendous things and they are applying science to your game the director of strength and conditioning out at physical athletics coach armando aguilar and his staff are doing some cutting-edge stuff So for those of you that are local here in the Borderland region in El Paso, you can find them at 2270 Joe Battle Boulevard, as well as on all social media platforms at Physical Athletic, that's F-Y-Z-I-C-A-L-Athletic, as well as their website at physicalathletics.com. So episode 14, uh, we're here, it's gone by really fast. Excited about today's show. We have our very first coach from the uh, JUCO, the Junior College, or NJCAA for National, National Junior College Athletic Association. Our first coach from the Junior College level, Coach Colton Bryant, who is the head women's soccer coach at Columbia State Community College in Columbia, Tennessee. Uh, for those of you needing a reference point, that is about 30 minutes or so uh, south of uh, the great city of Nashville there in Tennessee. So we're excited to have him. We're going to talk all things uh, junior college, how they've been affected um, uh, pre-COVID, during COVID, and what they anticipate post-COVID. So we'll be uh, very excited to have him here. He's going to dive into the kind of the recruiting world, the culture building of his program. This is a program that's only been in existence for about three years, and he's doing incredible things there. So Very, uh, very excited about the interview we're going to have with him on our show. So for all of our listeners, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors.
1: Hi, I'm Armando Aguilar, Director of Strength and Conditioning at Physical Athletics. If you want to take your game to the next level, come to Physical Athletics. Our experienced staff of strength and conditioning coaches bases all of their training programs on a proven successful philosophy and years of research and scientific data. From middle school to the professional level, come see how we apply science to your game to help you improve your performance and reduce your risk of injury. To learn more, visit Physical Athletics online at physicalathletics.com. Check them out at Facebook and Instagram at Physical Athletics and visit them
2: today, 20 20- Two seventy, Joe Battle,
0: and welcome back to the Fifty Fifty podcast presented by Physical Athletics, our proud partners. Physical Athletics, you can find them on all social media platforms at Physical Athletic. That's F Y Z I C A L Athletic, as well as on their website. At physicalathletics.com. My next guest, he marks uh, something that is way overdue. He, mar- he marks our first uh, junior college NJCAA coach uh, on the show, on the podcast. Uh, very excited to have him. He's a uh, doing tremendous things out in the great state of Tennessee. Uh, big fan of his. He is the head coach of the Columbia State Community College program out in Columbia, Tennessee, Coach Colton Bryant. Coach, how
1: are you? Great. Yourself?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you
1: for being with us today. Yes, sir.
0: All right. So, hey, we're going to dive right in. Uh, so, Coach, uh, we're uh, glad to have you on here. You mark our first, as I stated, our first uh, junior college coach So, which has obviously become a very, very heightened or highlighted uh, level of play this past year in light of uh, many of the things that we've encountered with uh, COVID. So um, we try not to really make it much about COVID, but obviously you also can't ignore it. Um, so talk to us a little bit in the 10 month, we not 10 months, I'm sorry, we're 12 months, we're a year into the pandemic now. Uh, describe your experience in leading your program during COVID and what you've learned.
1: Um, In terms of keeping it going during the COVID bit, it was just more of, one was trying to figure out um what to figure out because <laughs> we we none of us had ever really you know had to deal with something like this before and so it became a big um question mark on what what do we do what is our administration going to allow us to do does it does it hamper recruiting um what what will this do will it will it will we have any bans on specific countries coming in to play um there's loads of different like recruiting things on that end but when, when the pandemic first hit, my biggest concern was how to get our players. Um, because, you know, one of the big things as a JUCO coach is not only are you trying to always bring in the team to make your to build your team, make it better. But, you know, your next step is then to move them on and get them out. And so we immediately started looking into different options and it just, you know, push came to shove and VO came to light. And so the first thing we did was actually acquire a VO to where I knew during the season, no matter what happened, we would have um, we would have like loads of recruiting content. So let's say in the fall, if we didn't get to play any scrimmages, you know, we'll at least have like right now, I think we have 62 uploads. So if you're looking at an hour and a half to two hours each, you know, you're looking at around 120 hours of recruiting content. And so that was huge.
0: That's great stuff. And so you mean to tell me that you didn't have any previous uh, pandemic management experience? I'm a little disappointed coach to be honest. <laughs> no,
1: none at all. Not a clue.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I think, uh, I think that obviously that marks all of us. So no, that's well said. So coach, since you mentioned it, uh, talk to us a little bit, you had a little plug in there for VO. Tell us a little bit about what VO is and what your experience has been with it.
1: Yeah. So what VO is, is it's a camera that, um, it's a, it's a 180 degree camera and it has two eyes and basically what, well, I say two eyes, two, two cameras within it that look like eyes. Um, and one of the eyes will basically watch, you know, half of the field and then the other eye will watch the other half of the field. And then basically what you do once you, it's so simple, you just sit it on top of the tripod, put the tripod up and then press go on your phone. Um, and then basically from there, uh, once you, the only downfall of you is the upload time in which they've said that they have found a way to minimize that. So we're excited for that update to come up. Um, but basically once it uploads, what it does is it, 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 takes the images of the two eyes and puts it together. And so it almost looks like there's a drone flying around the field, but there's not. Um, And then what that, what that has changed for us is multiple things like now, you know, used to you, you trying to figure out how to find a person to be at every game to film. Now I don't have that worry at all, but now I can film every practice. And with VO, you have unlimited upload space. So it's not like you're limited to how much you can have. And so that's, That's helped us a lot because, you know, we're not a school that has those big, um, you know, massive indoor facilities and all this. So, you know, when rain happens and you're not able to get maybe into a facility to train instead of canceling, you can always now set up a Zoom and pull up VO footage. You can go over a training session or over a game or, you know, whatever it might be. And I think that that sort of changes the whole element of just information you can provide to players, not to mention, you know, iPhones are great. You can screen record. And so little scenarios that maybe you don't want to point out to the group because it might be a good individual thing. Well, then you can screen record it and then send it to a player and talk to them about it on a on a side note.
0: That's great stuff. That's great stuff. Uh, yeah, I kind of definitely wanted to mention it once you once you said I wanted to follow up on that because I know still a lot of people that are relatively unaware of VO or maybe have seen it, but just didn't know what it was. So thank you for mentioning that coach. Um, okay, so moving mm-hmm. on. Uh, three years, uh, Your three years, uh, you're going or you're going into three years uh, in your time at Columbia State. Uh, how's it going? And uh, what's kind of surprised you so far?
1: Yeah, it's going, honestly, it's going really, really well. Um, When we first started it in 2018, we had three months prior to the first day of preseason um, when we were approved. So I was looking around and like, I didn't have, I didn't have an office. I didn't have a player and I didn't have a schedule and we had uh, our first training in three months. So that was going to be, you know, always a challenge. And what we did was we held tryouts and we prayed. And to be honest, we got very, very fortunate in the fact that there were some very good players that ended up popping up, and so um, what—that's actually one of the things when I had first started as a in 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 collegiate coaching, I got to thinking. I was like, I'm not going to hold tryouts. I want to go hand my players. Blah 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 blah. And then what all that that year taught me was that obviously um, things unexpected can happen, and that you're not perfect. And so if you hold tryouts, you know, and you may not get a player from them, um, but at the same time, you might find players that you. Didn't find if that makes sense. So I, one thing I learned was to make sure you exercise all possibilities. Um, so instead of an ID camp, for example, we we'll, we will hold like an open tryout week or whatever, and then um, you know go from there on the recruiting sense. And so then that was year one. We were expected not to win a game. Um, it was it was a it was definitely eye opening in terms of trying to figure out how how we were going to play and then. Honestly, first game came around, we were all excited and we went and got a five nothing win. And that was amazing. And then our next game was a two nothing win. And then we end up going four and four on the season, which obviously is not even (laughs) that's not even a real college season. But we couldn't get on anyone's schedule because um, we were so late. So you fast forward to the second year and we brought in 15 new players, um, a few Division One transfers, a few national team players. And And then we won the conference and uh that was that was an amazing run um and then we just fell just short of the national tournament and so now you know this year we were really excited it's the first year everybody was uh every everybody from the class was recruited it wasn't like a had no idea what was going to happen in that class class and then the pandemic hit um so we're we're still we're still getting along but i think where we're at right now is is a good place we've got a really good 21 class coming in we've got a really good team here currently um and we're just we're just ready for them to let us go play people
0: great stuff you know so one of the things that i one of the things that i love about junior college coaches is you you have to be such a, an exceptional recruiter because it's <laughs> like every 2 years you're having to to reload right it's not like when you <laughs> sign someone you have them for 4 years right um so between that and because of how how young the program is, um, did you feel like you kind of had a little bit of a, I guess, adv- not an advantage, but maybe you were more well ready to recruit uh during COVID uh at your level, at the NJCAA level?
1: Um yes and no. I think that it just helps that I'm a serial networker as well. And <laughs> um all that happened is is when when the pandemic hit, well, obviously, so it's it's funny you said, like, you know, it's a two-year restock. It's really not. It's a it's every year. You have to bring in at least 15. We lose half of our team. Um, and so then it's a matter of trying to identify, you know, um, we 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 have our ideal style of play, and you gotta identify players that fit within that. Um, and then you know, once you're identifying those players, um, and it depends on the player as well. Like personalities are different, um, perceptions are different, and so then it's it comes down to are some of the players we've identified also being recruited? And if they are, do those schools now still have offers to them? Because, you know, they, they, what the COVID did was allowed schools to have seniors stay. And the fact that that happened, um, all that created was, okay, well, then what's going to that put a lot of the 21's futures up in air? And so basically, what we did was try and identify, okay, locally here, what, what are the the mid majors, the 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 D 2s the what are what's going on with all of those schools um, and the NAI's because we're in a very good area for a sense of like just north of me is Belmont Lipscomb um, Lee University number number three in the country for D two right now uh, Martin Methodist is thirty minutes south of us number five in the country for NAI um, I mean William Carey is only five hours away from us they're number one in the country for NAI and so we're just trying to look around and see. Um, who was recruiting who and are they going to be able to honor these offers. And then, you know, as you start to figure these things out, then then now you're it's sort of a, a different way of identifying talent through trust that, you know, the division ones are doing good recruiting. And then it's going to figuring out who the players are and who the players are as people and figuring out how that how that fits into our model because you could be a great player and an absolute, for lack of better terms, asshole. We don't want that. You know, and we want to make sure that you're going to fit with 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 our team, that everyone's going to get along and that, you know, the reality of it is we're going to spend a lot of time together. and We need to make sure that um, you can you can deal with me and I can deal with you. And so if you can't do that, then it doesn't really matter what your ability is, because then, you know, happiness and quality of life comes to play. And I think that that's all in all some of the most important things. So in terms of recruiting, all we all we did was. Look at a pool that normally is. When you when you try and put the talent, there's a there's a certain level of pool, and then once you start sussing through personalities, then your pool gets a bit smaller. But then all of a sudden, you know, kids that are committed. I'm not one that normally, I won't speak to committed players much. If they tell me that we're committed, I leave them be because I don't want coaches doing that to me. So on um, all of a sudden, you have a massive pool open up though you didn't know it was coming, and so it was just a matter of being able to adapt. And I think that. Um, that's what we JUCO coaches are probably better at than anybody is adapting. An
0: thing. Right. He is coach Colton Bryant. He is the head women's soccer coach at Columbia state community college there in Co- Columbia, Tennessee. So coach, uh, give us, give us a quick uh, geographic plot point where exactly is, uh, for those, those of our listeners that are wondering right now, where's Columbia state located? Can you tell us where that is?
1: Yeah. So basically everyone in Tennessee, you when, when someone asks where you're from, you only say like three cities because they're all in different parts of the, of the state and you're usually fairly close to it. So we're literally right next to Nashville. Um, so you've got, we're a central part of Tennessee. We're about 35, 40 minutes south of Nashville. Um, and so it's a, it's a nice area. It's a little pocket of SEC country, uh, along with, I think Nashville, if I remember correctly, and I'm pretty sure, I'm about 99% sure this is true, is that Nashville's got the the most colleges in a city than any other city in the country.
0: Yeah, I believe believe I've heard that before as well. Uh, Never actually referenced it, but I think I've heard that before as well. So good stuff, yeah. Nashville, big fan of Nashville. Um, All right, coach, so switching gears here a little bit. So uh, you've uh, kind of in a, you've had a kind of recent aggressive yet uh yet friendly campaign right to uh to the uh, the people out at last chance you trying to welcome <laughs> them welcome them possibly do a uh, last chance you uh soccer at the juco code level um uh, tell me a little bit more about that and why 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 does that interest you
1: got you yeah so you know i was a fan of it when it first happened at um what is it eastern mississippi um and i watched it and obviously now it's the, the, the difference would be is the dynamic in which the the, the drama is because, you know, I don't, I, I don't speak, I don't have to speak to football players. And I'm sure that that requires a different approach. Um, but in terms of why we want to do it is, um, well, well a couple of things. One is we're a, we're a newer Juco and I'm not saying being new makes a difference, but I'm saying that we're a, we're a Juco that still gives you sort of that Juco vibe. Like, uh, we, a lot of people that don't understand the Juco world is that like, you know, some of our, people we compete with have better facilities than some D ones. In fact, there's quite a few of them. And um, so like, you know, my idea of why we would do it here versus at one of those schools is the fact that it still gives that, that Juco vibe to it rather than, you know, you could do it at a school like Tyler or a school Monroe or Eastern Florida, but the, the facilities, I mean, what they, what they put off as, you know, last chance you, is you're going somewhere to, your last chance to go find that next that next university and and what you've seen in past seasons is you know i mean in the in the second football season i think it was one of the players was literally sleeping in his car like he was homeless um you're not going to have that at some of those bigger jucos you're you're really not because they're they're living a lavish style um i mean eastern florida's on the beach <laughs> so here what you get is it's not necessarily rough but what it is is that still it's still that environment like we have We have players and I I think we spoke about this the other day. I mean, I have a girl that, you know, she she was working full time to support her family and she left practice early just to make it to work. Um, So she left at 5 p.m., got off at 7 a.m. We had practice at 8 a.m. the next morning and she I told her not to show up. Obviously, she just worked 12 hours and was at training and classes the day before. And here she comes strolling in at 815. Um, and, and we happen to have a school on campus and I, I, you can't make it up when I say that school is the one that offered her a full ride. Um, it's just, you know, it's, that's a, that's a story that is, is different. And that's a story you don't get much, especially if you're at these, um, especially if you're at these lavish ones, you know? And so I think that the the side thing of that is what we wouldn't provide to last chance you that I know that they're probably looking for is a lot of the drama. Right. But I think what we would provide is a different aspect is like, you know, how much a, A culture can change a program and also what it means to to be held accountable within a culture, because, you know, it's one thing for players to say we want something and it's another for them to go actually do the things it takes to get it. And so instead of having to have those loud and crazy conversations like in the episodes, sometimes um, we can have them in a different way, in a more direct way. And I think that, you know, it's something that I think that it's an avenue that I don't think we have in this this country in general is one, it's going to really support women's athletics. Um, and then two, it's, it's a sport that is the fastest growing sport in the U S but we're the, we're probably the last one that they've talked about to do. And so, you know, I'm, I'm all about being the oddball and doing something a bit different. And I think that if you take a chance and do something different, then big things can happen. And what I think last chance you should open their eyes to is the fact that soccer is a global sport. And you know, the fact that there's such a big, um, in terms of TV series and they only have around a hundred and thousand followers on social media it says a lot, uh, because there's, there's well more than a hundred thousand followers that would follow it just from not in our country. Um, and I think that that would grow their national brand. And I just, you know, I just think overall it will also, I want to help change the, the perception of soccer in America from the global, uh, perspective. Yeah. We have Americans now playing in champions league and, you know, I, I have friends abroad that are like, oh, wow, now there's Americans. I'm like, you guys are you guys are dumb. There's we're a massive country. And the fact that you don't think a special talent like Messi can be born somewhere else is crazy to me. And, you know, and the fact that we have so many more people means our 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 chance of of outcome to is massive. And so, you know, I, I genuinely think we can see America pushing for World Cup titles in the next 10 years because our best athletes are actually starting to play. Um, from a young age in our, in our youth, it's no longer, it's nothing against baseball dads and whatnot, but you know, they were doing their best in a, in a rec environment. Well, now the rec environment, our parents that played and that naturally brings the level up. And so then the club's going to go up and, you know, it's a big snowball effect. And I think here in America, we just need to, we need to stop the whole where Americans not good at soccer. We need to show what we can do and why we can do it. I mean, look at our facilities. Um, I would say that our, our facility is not as nice as some of the massive d ones but i would say it's better than some of the pro clubs abroad for the women's game and i think that it's we it's it it would be a good idea to open the eyes up to the other countries as to how to support women and and a good way to do it would be through this
0: absolutely exceptionally well said uh multiple points there that's uh, that's well said um so more so than what you know what some of the student athletes see on last chance. You because a lot of them haven't been really exposed to JUCOs on any level, up maybe outside of that series, right? But more so than just that, and because we're in a pivotal period right now in terms of COVID and dead one or Division One dead periods, right? Why should more athletes legitimately consider what we know as the uh, National Junior College Athletic Association or JUCOs?
1: Yeah. So you know, didn't it's going to come down to setting yourself up for a better, a better quality of life in the future, whether that is to be a pro or a, a pro in life. Right. So then there's the athletics and then there's a pro. in you know, if you're studying to be a physical therapist, well, then go do it. The misconception is, is that Juco academics are not good. And 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 that's so wrong. Like, and you can see it just in it, it, it's like in comedy central things. You'll be like, oh, yeah, they went to the local junior college. Like, that's a bad thing. Um, and, and I think that that's, that's put a stigma onto the, the label that, that shouldn't exist because here's the reality of it. We're, we're one of the best nursing schools in the country. We have a 100% NCLEX pass rate. Not many schools have that in this, in this whole country and we're a JUCO. Um, and, that, and so then when parents ask me, you know, what are, oh, we're worried about academics and blah, 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 blah. It's, it's a load of crap because all of our teachers are, um, they're adjuncts from the universities in Nashville they all work at, at the universities in Nashville. And then when you go to anyone that knows about the U.S. system, they know that when you go to college, your first two years is a is a is a big core curriculum. And then depending on which major you are then in, um, you have, you know, electives and whatnots that that you can take towards that major. But you really don't start your your core major work until the next two years sometimes you can pick a school for a major and you won't even be accepted into that program until two years later so then my thing is is why take the exact same class for you know a thousand dollars per credit hour or more and you might even depending on if you're in Nashville or not you might even have the same teacher for the class um, and so that blows my mind I think from a financial standpoint specifically with a pandemic hitting um, I think finances are quite important and I think that we need to stop accepting debt as a reality and, and labels as a as a, I don't know, a big eyed figure, because it's nice to graduate from, you know, a school with, you know, a specific name. But if you're, you know, 120 grand in debt, you know why? I'm not saying you won't go in debt for those next two years, saying we can probably minimize that for you, because there's transfer scholarships and whatnot. And I also think that, you know, in two years of life, you become a lot more mature, and you can make, making maybe better decisions. But from an athletic standpoint, just ask a player, like, from your freshman year of high school to your junior year of high school, did you get better? Nine times out of 10, they're going to say, hell yeah, I got better. I learned more. I got bigger. I got faster. I got stronger. I started to understand that the weight room started to understand blah, 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 blah. Well, that's the, I mean, unless you're, unless you think that you're at the top of your potential, that the growth doesn't change. It's just the, the bell curve of learning does. And what it means is when you jump into the collegiate level is you're going to learn a lot faster. So then the question would be is, if you had a chance to project yourself from your freshman year of college to your junior year of college, would you be better? And most of them are gonna say, uh, yeah, because I'll be way more focused and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, so how about player A now that is X good getting recruited by X, Y, and Z, come here for two years. And I bet you player A is gonna be a whole new player and they're gonna be recruited by even I mean, the same schools are going to be there if they're four-year universities. So if they were recruiting you two years before, then we'll see how much they really liked you. But um, what you what you might find is the fact that you you're what you thought you were being exposed to is a lot smaller than than. I guess athletes view things as like mini ponds. So when you get plugged into somewhere like here, specifically here, because we're very good about getting our athletes exposed and and making sure that. know there's enough content on each of them that want to move on that they're going to be seen by people all over the country and they might find that their little pond was is not even near as big as the ocean and that you know it's just think it's a matter of betting on yourself and if you're someone that has a big dream and you want to accomplish it you want to minimize your debt i think that this is a route that if you it this route is more controlling because you can control what you want and you you you'll be more hands on in your own process because we will be teaching you about the process through the two years and then kids are probably eye rolling saying well we're learning about that now and they don't know half of it and you know that's the that's the fun part is educating them on that and seeing them seeing them sort of grow because i mean look at the average college student they change their major 4 to 5 times well we can get that done for you without you you can go through that exact same process and not pay as much money for it <laughs> and then end up with the same degree later on at the same school you were going to go to. And, you know, maybe a much bigger scholarship both academically and athletically.
0: Right. Um, so, you know, one of the, one of the things I particularly uh, like, and I appreciate kind of part of when you and I started uh, first communicating networking, I should say, and then collaborating a bit was, it um, was that you're, I noticed as a, as a JUCO coach, you're really, uh, you're an exceptional grinder. You're. Open. I
1: lost you.
0: So what I noticed, Coach, is that you're you're very much you're as a recruiter, you're a grinder, and you're very much a leave no stone unturned in terms of not just locally or, or there in uh, in Tennessee, but also nationally and internationally. But for our listeners, you know, talk a little bit about what are your thoughts on the talent. Uh, here in Texas and, and maybe even here in the borderland region, uh, in my area in El Paso, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yes. So I've always known that there was, there was talent in Texas, like Texas is a hotbed. Um, and, and what I mean by that is the clubs do a good job of, of recruiting, but at the same time, there's a lot of kids in Texas that just watch the game more like it. it, It's not like that, that people are born in one state and are naturally better soccer players. But I think that, you know, it goes back to, to Tom's thing of uh soccer starts at home. And I think what you find in Texas is soccer is a is a it is a big actually all sports in Texas are a big sport because Texas take athletics very seriously. And that's one thing Texas is awesome about. Um, but I think what's what I what I find very fascinating is the styles of play that can come out of Texas. I think that you might find um some more flair and some more um I don't know, a a more exciting style from a specific individual. Um, And I think in Texas, what you find is there's a lot more players that are willing to take players on -on one-on-one than other places. Now, someone from another state's thinking, oh yeah, right, I've got so-and-so on my team. And I'm not talking about a club or a team, I'm talking about as a whole. And I think what you find is there's a lot of kids in Texas that just, I don't know how to explain it other than they express themselves differently. Um, and I don't even think it's difference in coaching. Um, I think it's, it's just comes down to the soccer, they grow up around. And then there's a, there's a lot of, you know, central and South American population that watch the Liga MX a lot. And that's a different, I don't care what anyone says, I'm not saying it's better or worse than the MLS, but it's a different style of play entirely. And if you watch the women's Liga MX and everyone would be like, oh, the NWSL is better. Well, yeah, it's better. But there's some very exciting things that happen in Liga MX and and especially on the women's side. And I think I think it's really it's just fascinating. And I'm very I'm very big on flair. I love flair. And so I want players to, you know, people will say players with flair might give away the ball too much. Yeah, but they keep every defender guessing on what they're going to do. And if we can collectively know what we're going to do while making sure that we have players that make the other team wonder what we're going to do, I think that that's pretty dangerous. So in Texas and specifically what I'm learning in El Paso is um, there's there's a pocket of space that maybe eyes aren't on and I'm you know as as you said I like to flip over stones and so just because other eyes aren't there I want to make sure that my eyes are and I want to make sure that I I want to speak to as many players that would be realistic for us as possible because you know I I think the end of the day we all want to to build our team the best we can and if we can I don't care where you're from. If you're a baller, you're a baller. And I just think specifically that if we're able to find the kids in little pockets like El Paso, others aren't, then I'm going to happily capitalize on that.
0: Well said, uh, absolutely. If you're a baller, you're a baller. You heard it here first. All right, so um, <laughs> so as we start to transition here, Coach, um, tell us uh, kind of in, your, in a few sentences, in your own words, obviously, what can we expect from Columbia State going forward, this fall in particular and beyond?
1: Um, some excitement, man. I think what you can expect is to see a brand that normally isn't seen in the collegiate game across most divisions. I think, when, and I'm not saying possessive is the way to go or direct is wrong. I'm saying that um, I wouldn't consider us possessive or direct. I would consider us a, a program of decision makers and learning how to make decisions both off the ball and on the ball. That can impact tremendously and 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 then you know depending on how those decisions are made will will then impact speed of play but um i think what you'll find with us is an organized group that that has a pretty good idea of what they're going to do and then um this year what we've done is we, we we've built something dangerous and next year we've built something deadly um and and I say that next year we built something deadly as it's here, but, um, where I'm very aware of what our weapons we have now are. And it's very good. Like, I, I feel like I've got four new signings from four of my returning sophomores because, um, it goes back to what I was saying before. They came in their freshman year with one mentality and they came back with a whole entirely different one, one being they came back way more fit. Um, one being they came back ready to compete in preseason um, where, sometimes some athletes they're, cause they're good. They think I'm going to go and I'm going to dominate preseason and they get here and get their asses handed to them. Um, and I think that that's a good thing. And so we had some players come back dead serious and ready to go. And they brought the, the environment and the, the, the mindsets of the freshmen coming in up. And I think next year, it's only going to continue to improve. And that's not a, that's not a diss to players going out. That's a, these players going out created a pathway for us to go in and not grab necessarily better players, but grab more of the same players. Um, because right now we've got a, we've got a well-rounded team and some special talents and we've got a lot of special talents coming in next year. And and, and we'll still be a very well-rounded team. And um, I don't know. I think it's exciting. I think what you'll find is that if you watch us and you watched us play against a four year school, which we have film of, if, if anyone wants to reach out and see it, um, but I'm, I think that if you didn't know who was who, you wouldn't think we were not the four year school.
0: He's coach Colton Bryant, head women's soccer coach at Columbia State Community College in Columbia, Tennessee. All right, uh, coach, don't go anywhere. We're going to bring you right back for our counterattack segment. And listeners, we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors.
2: Sun City Prep Academy is currently accepting registration for its postgraduate and elite youth academy teams for the upcoming training season. For more information, visit our website, www.suncityprep.com. Unlock your potential. Compete at the highest level. Find your future at Sun City Prep Academy.
0: Welcome back to the 50-50 podcast presented by Physical Athletics, our proud partners. Physical Athletics. You can find them on all social media platforms at Physical Athletic, that's F-Y-Z-I-C-A-L Athletic, as well as on their website at physicalathletics.com. So, Coach Bryant, we got you. We're ready. Counterattack, you ready to get stuck in? Let's go. All right. First question right out of the gate. Annie, as a coach, obviously these pertain to you as a coach. Uh, not as a player, so you got to switch hats here. Okay, um any pregame or postgame rituals?
1: Yeah, i talk to myself a lot, oddly enough, and it's more of um my thing is I want to reflect on personalities and how personalities have progressed. And what I mean by that is you might have a girl that came in really confident, and like I said in the last segment, they come in confident, and then they get they get a rude awakening, and then you know that 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 could shift confidence. So I want to see where everybody's confidence level is and um, figure out which players I need to speak to you may you know send that text to and make them smile you know and I think that that's that's where my mind is at and aside that it's just believe it or not it's not even worrying about watching more film on the opposition it's more of just wanting to make sure mindsets are right and figuring out what I'm going to say pre-game because we do a tactical talk and then we do a the tactical talk is like literally two hours before the game so I don't have to say anything about that before the game But right before we go on, I want to I just want to say something to, uh, you know, make I don't know, bring out their why a bit more. And so I need to identify with my why. So I'd say my my biggest pregame ritual is really bringing myself back to my why and trying to figure out, you know, how to bring their why out of them through passion of the game. Nice.
0: You know, you scared me there for a second. I thought you were going to say you talk to yourself because nobody else will listen to you. So you scared me there for (laughs) a second
1: there. (laughs) All right. Oh No
0: um okay so other sport if not soccer obviously other sport you would have coached in another life
1: now now that i've gotten in big with soccer coaching i would say basketball because of the fact that you, most kids are growing up in environments in elementary school that their gym classes make hand-eye coordination way better than foot-eye coordination i think that the patterns we do within soccer and the, the way we can talk about exploiting space because of soccer, I really think it would be very simple to be a basketball coach as long as you found the players that could already shoot and defend <laughs> because the ball movement and everything would be really, really simple because there's right. not much outside of one person falling out.
0: Right. Okay. Awesome. Uh, other profession uh, you would have done if not a coach?
1: Man, I have no clue. I would have had to end up like being, I have no clue. If, if I was thinking, looking back now, I would try and go and be like a, um, I guess culture coordinator for corporate companies is trying to like, you know, most people get, they get, um, promotions because they're good at their job, but they're not necessarily trained on being a man manager or woman manager. And so I think that's what I would like to do if I wasn't. If I wasn't a coach. Now, if I wasn't a coach, would I have that perspective? No clue. Right. No clue.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good answer though. That's a really, that's a different one, but I I like it. I like it. All right. So now favorite Netflix series or other show on another platform, you've been able to really binge watch during uh, the pandemic.
1: (laughs) Dude, I've watched all of them. Um, (laughs) I really, really, really like the all American series. Um, I really like the all American series. Um, but lately like i said we acquired a vo so i watched less netflix and i i've probably watched our trainings back at least two to three times per training each
0: okay vo vo is definitely a first when i ask about netflix series or favorite watching <laughs> series all right i like it okay now so in sticking with that kind of theme soccer specific series uh Three of them, If you assuming you've seen all three, which has been your favorite? Your, The all or nothing uh, Tottenham, the Sunderland Till I Die season two, and Ted, Las- Ted Lasso. Which one?
1: So I haven't seen Ted Lasso, and I'm really pissed about that. I need to get Apple TV. Um, but in the other two, I would say I, um, I like them both equally, but I'm going to put Tottenham first because I think I really like the aspect of how Mourinho is willing to speak to players. I really like the aspect that he – he treats them like professionals that they are, and I, I, I'm able to show our players that. And like, you know, I speak to you much differently. You better be happy about it, <laughs> No, But um, well, <laughs> no, I really like the Sunderland series because of how it. I think hardship is valuable, and it doesn't end in a massive smile. It ends, you know, well, yeah. well, they say others, but the way it ends, yeah, it, it, it. But it's it's very real, like that. That even at the pro game, the, it's not all smiles. Yeah, they're making. People say pros make loads of money. They should be happy no matter what. But like pros are pros because they're addicted to their lifestyle and they're addicted to their game. And 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 when their game is a loss, that's that's tough. And I think that that Sunderland series really, really highlights that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the uh, so this next one ruffles a lot of feathers. Uh, so you tell a uh, favorite and least favorite soccer team.
1: Oh, I got Liverpool and Man United or Everton or Everton. And I would, I would have to say Everton because as a Liverpool supporter, screw Everton. But the only reason I don't like, I don't have the deep, I'm not old, right? So I don't have like the deep hatred for United because of the past. I have a deep hatred for United because of the people that are United fans that did partake in the past. And, and the fact that, You know the present is reality and liverpool is awesome
0: all right big kudos to you as obviously as i'm sure you might know i'm also a a gigantic uh, liverpool fan one of my biggest mentors played for them so uh yeah absolutely kudos to you all right now non-soccer all right any other sport all right favorite and least favorite teams non-soccer
1: oklahoma city thunder i'm from oklahoma um and then least favorite Miami Heat, because that dang three that he hit late in the game in the in the playoffs that then moved it to, I think it was even in the series and then they went on to beat us. Miami Heat,
0: Miami Heat. All right. That's a first. All right. Both of them, Thunder and the Heat. That's a first. All right. All right. Next one. So any secret talent, any hidden talent that not very many people may know about you?
1: I don't know if i have any i don't know what would be a talent no one knew huh i don't know honestly i have no clue i would the, the thing you have got me i'm actually i don't know what to say and there's not many times i don't know what to say <laughs> all right so yeah no i've got i've got nothing i think it's more of um all I can really do is I, I think I'm good at reading people, but my girls will tell me otherwise at times. But most of us coaches, that uh, we all think that. So, um, yeah. I would say that's my thing. Is uh, other than that, I'm not too like I'm not too nothing too special. I keep telling my parents all the time like I'm lucky I was born when I was because back in the day when you couldn't make money to be a soccer coach and make a living with it, then you know it. Uh, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> Yeah,
0: you're not you're not the first uh, you're not the first coach to say that. So uh, they're so dedicated to the craft, right, that they can't even think, let alone identify of something else. So no, uh, no shame there. Um, All right. So funniest uh, that you can share funniest moment, (laughs) funniest moment with a recruit or with, you know, with the recruit and their parents while you're on the recruiting trail.
1: Oh, I've got a good one, but I'm not sure it'd be good to share. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, funniest, my man. You run into, so when you're recruiting, you run into a lot of funny things and uh, different right. personalities and whatnot. And like the, whether it's reading an email that says, what's up coach with a W-U-Z-Z. And, you know, I, I actually respond to those, believe it or not. I think they're fascinating. I think it has a bit of a personality within it, but no, I would say, um, I won't even mention the 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 name of the player but I think the funny one will be good is that I was introduced to them with an entirely different name so like they had a whole different name than what they who they actually were and as we got through the process I was able to sort that out and it was very very interesting She's from an interesting area in Orlando. And she just te- – like this would have been like a month ago. It wasn't necessarily while recruiting. We had already committed her, and she texts me, and she's like, yo, coach, I have this massive bruise on my leg. And I'm thinking, what have you done? And she goes, I was playing pickup and got hit by her house arrest bracelet. Now, maybe that's not too funny, but to me it it was because if you know the kid, it's like yeah, yeah. she's a very soulful kid, and where she's from is is very interesting. And the fact that – I don't know. It's funny just the way she even said it. but. Um, aside that, no, I think I think most of the recruiting stuff is it is funny. I mean, I re- I went to Barcelona in Salou, and we did like a coaches um, inspection visit, and we took like eighty coaches through DB Sports Tours, and in them. So basically, when you when you go to eat, there's one area, and and it's like a sports resort, and you go to eat, and everybody there, they go eat in the same place. Well, the U17 German women's national team the French and the English were all there. Well, believe it or not, in the middle of, Bar- we had no clue about this in, in Barcelona. I'm walking up, I'm getting some food off the uh, buffet and I look over and the kid I was recruiting is literally standing next to me. And she plays for the U-17 English national team. Now, should I have realized that she might've been there? Yes, but that did not go you know, in my mind at all. I was my first time in Barcelona. So I wasn't thinking recruiting at all. And I'm getting some potatoes and I look over and she's like, are you Colton from Columbia state? I'm like, yes, I am. It, it, it was, that was fun.
0: <laughs> small world, I guess. Right.
1: Very, very yeah, small world. Yeah.
0: yeah. That's, that's interesting. That's a different one as well. All right. So final question, coach, here's the one that I ask everybody. Uh, Post pandemic when clear, we've kind of returned to our normal or what our new normal may be Sunday dinner. All right. You got all the family over, you got family coming in from out of town, visiting you, you're the chef what are you cooking
1: massive steaks loads of them loads of them steaks um chicken i'll grill everyone else has to bring the side stuff
0: (laughs) yeah you sound like me you sound exactly like me
1: Uh, yes i love some steak now and i think i get it from my mom because every time i'm mom's like hey will you meet me for lunch sure where are we gonna go uh she always goes ah let's go to betty's i want a big steak (laughs) (laughs) all right
0: well Coach, this has been great. This has been exceptional. Thank you. Uh, thank you for joining us. And uh, kind of before we let you go, uh, for uh, for our listeners that may be interested, where can they find more information? Where can they connect with you? Or also any listeners that might want to get more information on Columbia State? Uh, where can they find that information? And also just any final words that you might have for our listeners?
1: Um, so our website is www.columbiastate.edu and it's Columbia, like C-O-L-U-M-B-I-A, not like country, Columbia. Um, and then for me, it's at Coach Colton, it's C-O-L-T-O-N. Um, Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube, even. I have a couple rants on YouTube from a couple years ago. It's kind of funny. Uh, but I would say, you know, about our program, uh, I'm a very transparent person. I don't think. I think what I uh, what our recruits like and our players that are currently here like is the fact that everything they read on social media is exactly the way it is here because it's not about trying to put bait to catch someone it's about speaking what you believe and hopefully attracting them and so I would say if you're interested in us research us and and you know if you're not big on developing yourself as a person if that's something you don't want to focus on if you're just that gym rat you know it's okay to be a gym rat but I think you you if, if you're not re- willing to develop personally we're not the program for you but happy to speak to anybody
0: well said well said thank you coach and uh you know again from all of us here at uh, the Fifty-Fifty podcast we're uh, delighted to have you thank you for your time and uh, i look forward to uh, catching up with you uh down the road on the recruiting trail and maybe even uh, collaborating with you some more in the future coach thank you again for your time thank and, you and for our listeners don't go anywhere we'll be right back shortly after a word from our sponsors
2: Sun City Prep Academy is currently accepting registration for its postgraduate and elite youth academy teams for the upcoming training season. For more information, visit our website, www.suncityprep.com. Unlock your potential. Compete at the highest level. Find your future at Sun City Prep Academy.
0: Welcome back to the 50-50 podcast presented by Physical Athletics, our proud partners, Physical Athletics, You can find them on all social media platforms at Physical Athletic, that's F-Y-Z-I-C-A-L Athletic, as well as their website at physicalathletics.com. So, a really, really good interview that we just came off of there with uh, Coach Eric Stolansky, uh, Stolansky, I should say, sorry and uh, Victoria Castañon, their standout midfielder for the uh, San Antonio Lee Vols out of uh, 28, District 28-6A 28, there in San Antonio. Uh, very, you know, We got a lot of inside look as to kind of a behind-the-scenes look of what they're going through, what they have been going through over probably the last two weeks in light of all the, uh, the reschedules, the cancellations, and then the reschedules, the fallout from the, uh, the winter soccer storm that affected the overwhelming majority of the state. Um, so they've definitely had to cram a lot of games in a very short amount of time. And they're not the only ones, obviously, but giving us a little bit more of an inside look of how he's had to adjust as a coach and his coaching staff, the team, how they've had to adjust, and, of course, um, also having to overcome some injuries. So uh, really good information there. And then also uh, – a really good uh, kind of behind-the-scenes look from a, one of the standout midfielders, one of the best midfielders in District 28-6A, and also in the Greater San Antonio area, in Victoria Castañon, who is a class of 2021 uncommitted recruit. So, college coaches, again, make sure you uh, make sure you look her up. Uh, DMs are open if you also want to reach out and make contact. So please, uh, please, by all means. Look her up because she is a uh, a as you could say a diamond in the rough, an uncommitted twenty twenty one. So, thank you to both of them. Very uh, very very glad to have them. Very lucky to have them, and we wish them and their team, the San Antonio League, balls uh, the best of luck the rest of the way this season. We wanted to go ahead and follow up and look at the uh, the Taps State Finals, which took place uh, this past Friday, uh, Friday March fifth, and uh, so. They crammed essentially what was the the, the playoffs from the by district slash area round all the way to the state finals in the span of about ten days so which is pretty pretty amazing not obviously not not necessarily recommended but obviously they they had to do what they had to do so um we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and look at revisit really quick revisit those state championship games in both the girls and boys brackets for D1, D2, and D3. So first looking at the girls in uh, D1, you had Dallas, Dallas Ursuline Academy, the longtime uh, TAPS power that has had the stranglehold for all but about one year over the course of the last, I'd say, I think 25 years in uh, uh, Division One there in TAPS, Dallas Ursuline Academy. They defeated Houston Saint the Houston Saint Agnes Academy five to zero in the Division One state final. In the uh, D two state final, you had uh, Grapevine Faith Christian defeating Austin Saint Michael's seven to one. And then in the D three state final, you had Dallas the Covenant defeating Shirts John Paul II three to one in uh, in that one. So, congrats to Dallas Ursuline Academy, Great Bind Faith Christian, and Dallas The Covenant, your D1, D2, and D3 girls state champions. On the boys' side, the D1 final, excuse me, you had Beaumont Kelly and Plano John Paul II in the uh, D1 state final, and that, that was uh, going to Beaumont Kelly 2-1 to one, uh, in the D1 state final. In, in D2, you had uh, San Antonio TMI Episcopal, making it a three-peat as they defeated Frisco Legacy Christian 5-0 to in the Division 2 state final. And that's, I believe, four four titles in five years, I believe, for uh, San Antonio TMI, if I'm not mistaken. And then in the Division 3 final, you had a essentially a rematch of what was the girls' D3 final, uh, which is pretty rare to see, pretty cool to watch. Uh, Dallas the Covenant and Shirts John Paul II both teams which also faced off on the girls side. Uh, Dallas the Covenant defeated Shirts John Paul II 1-0 in the D3 final. So, congratulations to Beaumont Kelly, San Antonio TMI, Episcopal, and Dallas the Covenant who are your D1, D2, and D3 boys state champions. So, congratulations to all state all six state champions. As that concludes the uh, TAPS taps uh, soccer winter soccer season. So with that, as, as we progress into this week, that now leaves UIL as the sole uh, governing body, the sole organization for public or private uh, soccer in the state of Texas that is still competing. As a reminder, uh, you can find us on one of the questions that I get is, hey, where can we find the podcast? Because we are a member of the A Day in the Life TV uh, network you can find us quickest way to find us is on all <coughs> excuse me on all major podcast platforms you can find us at you enter a day in the life colon unplugged again that's a day in the life colon unplugged and you search that and then just look for the 50/50 podcast you can find all episodes of the 50/50 podcast there uh, again thank you to all all our uh, all our followers all our listeners who continue to use on social media on both on uh, Twitter and on Instagram who we'll continue to use the uh, the hashtag of TXHSSOC again TXHSSOC for Texas high school soccer. That is our unifying hashtag that we're using across the state to help help bring pride instill pride in our game at the high school level here in the state of Texas. So again, don't forget to tag us and use that hashtag. Don't forget to tag us on all your pregame pre-game promos, post-game promos. I know we'll see a significant increase in senior nights happening over the course of the next two weeks as uh, districts wrap up district play over the course of this week and next week. Um, so again, don't forget to tag us on all all your posts, all your promos, uh, score updates as well. Keep those scores coming. We appreciate that. Thank you to all our listeners. Uh, We continue to grow. Again, uh, pretty awesome for a podcast that's been around for such a short amount of time that not only do we have listeners across the state or across the country, but we're being listened to in nine countries with our downloads increasing and our listeners increasing every week. So thank you. Please spread the word. And until the next time, keep downloading and keep listening. You've been listening to the 50-50 Podcast presented by Physical Athletics. Help us continue to grow by liking, rating, and subscribing on all major podcast platforms. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at 50-50pod and at Coach H. Cano, as well as on Instagram at 50-50podcast. Until the next time, keep downloading and keep listening.